Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Double Shot, a sports podcast off of an extended holiday hiatus. But we're back, and since uh, the last time Hector and I have been on, a lot of stuff has gone down, particularly today and yesterday. Uh, first off, Hector, how are you doing? Doing pretty well, man. Doing pretty well. Feeling rested, relaxed, and ready to get back. All right, and so I'd imagine that's a lot of like what Mike McCarthy feels like too right now. Mike McCarthy is the new coach of the Cowboys after a week long of uh, delay, which was I think technically the longest a team has gone between a season ending and making a decision on the return or releasing of their head coach. Cowboys announced yesterday, which is Sunday, that Jason Garrett is not coming back. And then they followed up the next day, today, with the announcement that Mike McCarthy is signing a five-year deal with the team. So, I mean, for anybody listening, I mean, we've basically been saying since the beginning, anybody but Jason Garrett would be amazing here in the Cowboys. But um, how are you feeling about Mike McCarthy, and what does Mike McCarthy bring that um, was missing from the Garrett era? I feel really good. I honestly, I don't, I don't see the, um, you know, there's a lot of people that I talked to personally today who, who aren't, who are either upset or not excited. Nobody is like overjoyed, which I, I kind of am. I mean, this is a, this is a coach who has a winning record. It's overshadowed by the last two years in Green Bay when everything kind of fell, fell flat. But over the 13 years that he was there, he went to the playoffs nine times. Uh, and then nine of those or six of those times he won one of those times he won a Super Bowl. Mike McCarthy has more big wins inside AT&T Stadium than Jason Garrett does. He won, I think, three years in a row. He beat the or two or three years in a row. He took uh, the Cowboys out of the playoffs. And the year that he won his Super Bowl against the Steelers was in AT&T Stadium. So Mike McCarthy's I, I, I like I'm I'm feeling excited about what he can bring to the table. Um, especially with his defensive coordinator that he brought, who um, he's bringing from San Francisco, who a lot of people uh, don't. New, new Orleans. Um, Mike. Well, y- yeah, Mike. You're talking about Mike Nolan, the new defensive coordinator. Yes. So he he was he's the linebacker coach at New Orleans currently. Well, not anymore, right? But he was most recently the linebackers coach in New Orleans. But he was a coach in San Francisco when they went to those back-to-back NFC championships, right. and when they went to the Super Bowl when they had. Uh, Patrick Wilson or Patrick Willis, sorry, and uh, and um, I, I'm forgetting the the other court. Oh, uh, uh, Navarro Bowman. Um, so he's got obviously lots of um, experience with his def- with his linebackers. So our linebacking core is looking like it's going to be in good hands. Mike McCarthy, I think, is is going to bring something that that we need. Um, he he's a a coach with experience, which is what. Jason Garrett wanted. I mean, what we talked about earlier this season, we were talking about Urban Meyer, Lincoln Riley. Those would have been exciting uh, choices, but they don't have any experience. And with a team like this, you don't you don't really want to go with somebody who's going to wing it and who doesn't know really how to maneuver their way around the NFL. This is basically, I mean, this is a plug and play. You just need to put somebody in there that knows what they're doing and has proven that they're good at the job at this level. And 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 that they're gonna be better than Jason Garrett, and and I think that's all we can ask for right now. It's a bet. He was the best option for us at the moment, I believe. What I don't understand is why the Cowboys only interviewed him and Marvin Lewis before coming to a decision. It sounds like those multiple meetings that were had with Jason Garrett over the past week were Garrett um, basically pitching to continue carrying the job until the Cowboys finally stood firm and told him that they were not bringing him back. And then that same weekend that, that, that they come to that decision, that final decision, they interview two coaches, um, and then they come to a decision real fast. Like is, like, is there any reason why? And I know that experience goes a long way, but what are the, are the Cowboys missing something from not interviewing these up and coming coordinators or these college coaches that you mentioned? Like how how come it had to be Mike McCarthy or Marvin Lewis, and why did it have to be this soon? 
I think it had to be this soon because, and I don't think, I don't think that they were um, leading Jason Garrett on. I mean, Jason Garrett has been a close part of Jerry Jones's family for a very, very long time, close to twenty years. Because he wasn't just a head coach; he was an assistant coach. He was a backup quarterback. He's been a part of their family for a long time, which is what made this so difficult for Jerry. But I don't think he was leading him on. I think in every single one of their meetings, they were very transparent. They told him that, hey, you know, we're we're thinking about moving on. I think that we think it's time, and we're going to give you time to try and figure out your situation. Because let's face it, Jason Garrett's not going to hurt for very long. He'll have a job um, next year, and uh, and yeah, I don't think there was anything really shady going on about it. I think the reason why it seems like, oh wow, why why couldn't they wait? Why didn't they? Why they have to do it now? It's because let's weigh the alternative. Right now, they interviewed Marvin Lewis and Mike McCarthy. Marvin Lewis, I was really hoping they didn't get because <laughs> he's basically Jason Garrett in Cincinnati. Um, and then Mike McCarthy, obviously, we've talked about that and we'll go on him a little longer. But but um, the alternatives were Lincoln Riley, who we don't even know if he wants to leave um, his college contract. Urban Meyer, who has said that he would come back for that job, but... He doesn't have anywhere near the experience of McCarthy. Or we wait for a Josh McDaniels or it's another coach, that, or a Sean Payton, if we want to take, make a pitch at Sean Payton. But we have to wait on those teams. And McDaniels is going to have multiple interviews. He already has multiple interviews lined up. Um, so let's say we wait, we wait, we wait. McCarthy gets stolen. Marvin Lewis gets stolen. Hell, maybe Lincoln Riley gets taken by another team like Kingsbury did. Um, and then we end up not getting Josh McDaniels. Then we're shit out of luck. We're up shit creek without a paddle, and we don't have anywhere to we don't have anywhere to go. We're gonna have to let Kellen Moore fill in for a year. I think we had to pull the trigger now um, instead of rolling the dice and 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 possibly coming up with nothing. Okay, and so another move has already happened since then, like we mentioned uh, briefly, which was uh, Mike Nolan linebackers coach for the Saints, now becoming defensive coordinator, which means that the Rod Marinelli area is also over now. So, and there has been some conversation about whether or not to bring back Chris Richard. They haven't ruled out bringing him back, and they haven't ruled out bringing Kellen Moore back either. Um, Do you think that, um, is there anything that's going to be missed from the Marinelli era, and is there any significance to bring back more in Richard. I don't think that there's specifically going to be a lot missed from Marinelli. I like Marinelli. I just like the guy that he is. Um, but this year, even this year, our defense wasn't, wasn't what it should have been. Um, we started off pretty hot, but it was against bum teams. We weren't able to hold up. There were games where I was just throwing shit all over the living room because it, the defense was just not getting it together. So I don't think there's so much to be missed. Um, Chris Richards, I do hope they keep on, on, on the payroll because I mean, he's the legion of boom. He's the DBs coach. Um, everybody knows that we haven't been working with the best core of defensive backs and he's been doing what he can with them. Plus I think he has a really, really good rapport with the young guys on the team. Um, but I am, I am on board with this new, uh, DC coming in. Uh, I don't think, I don't think it's going to be a, 180 degree difference right away but i i just think that the new the fresh new face will 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 kind of liven up the defense and give us the spark that we need kellen moore kellen moore was very exciting again in the beginning of the season when we were on that high um but i do hope they keep him because mike mccarthy has he's never he hasn't been known to be those surprising you know, make those Sean McVay calls or, or or even the Jack Del Rio calls, the crazy calls like that. But he has said that in his pitch to any team that hired him this offseason, because he spent the whole season um, not having a job. So his pitch was for any team that hired him, he wanted to bring in, he wanted to create a 14-person analytics department consisting of um, six people or eight people on, on – uh, on video duty, and then six that were just strictly analytics, strictly numbers game. And in reference to that, if you want to see what that kind of looks like, look at the Baltimore Ravens. They're the leading offense right now in the league, and they are the heaviest 
heaviest uh, organization in the NFL that that is going with analytics right now. They're, I mean, it's basically Moneyball, but in the NFL, they're going by the numbers. And the thing with Jason Garrett was when I mean, even in the middle of the, he he was vocal about it. Jason Garrett did not use in-game analytics like for his decisions while we were playing. He didn't he didn't care about oh well, 14% of the time this works or 52% of the time this works. He didn't do that. He had his playbook and he ran with it and that's what he did. He did what he wanted to and he didn't go by the numbers. And Mike McCarthy is saying that this is what he wants to do. Um and he wants to keep a a fresh kind of movement going with the offense and I think that Kellen Moore being a young OC and being more willing than an older guy um to pull those kind of trump cards out of the out of the deck. I think that that's going to be a good matchup. Yeah, and what the, just my personal guess is that that was also part of the conversations with um getting him on board here in Dallas is that he probably brings along Carolyn Moore as well. I feel like if they moved this quickly on a defensive coordinator, we probably would have heard something about an offensive coordinator too if they weren't planning on bringing back Moore. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and you know that that had to come up. That had to come up because there's a reason why they kept him. He was a backup quarterback for years who ended up getting hurt, who we really didn't have to keep because he never really did anything super special, but they kept him for a reason. So you, you think that that that's got that had to be one of their talking points in their in their sleepover because Mike McCarthy stayed the night at his house for some reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. That. Uh, okay. Timer went off. Okay. All right. Well, that wraps it up for um, this episode's uh, coverage of the Cowboys. We'll probably have some more coming up next week. There's definitely a lot more than 10 minutes that we can do on the Cowboys, but for the sake of time, we're going to keep chopping it up and spread this out over the off season. But um, okay. Up next, Wild Card Weekend, which was surprisingly very entertaining for me. Um, I mean, you had the Vikings upsetting the Saints, Seahawks taking down the Eagles, which that one wasn't exactly a very entertaining game, but it was still close. Titans upsetting the Patriots and Texans coming back to beat the Bills. Which game do you wanna do you wanna start with? The Vikings did it again. <laughs> My I wanted Drew Brees to get another ring so badly. He's just too good to only have one. He and Sean Payton deserve another one. Um and it just seems like it's always these mo- the Vikings. This is the second time in like three years that the Vikings devastatingly beat the the Saints. This time it was in overtime. Last time it was a miracle in Minneapolis. It's it's it was something that I definitely didn't see coming. The spread I think for that game was seven and a half. The Saints Saints yeah. were favored. And mm-hmm. I, I thought for sure they were going to take that game by by eight points at least. But you know there were injuries. There were some bad calls at some times. At some points in the game, Drew Brees looked old. Um, there was a couple of missed timeouts that they should have called. It was kind of mismanaged. Um, in my opinion, did you watch that? Did you see that last second touchdown? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Is this is do do they have any point with that final play? Is this another year that they can chalk it up to a mismanaged call? I I think that was a push off. I really do think it was. I mean, you can see the defender's shoulders going back from how hard in in in. in in real time, it doesn't look that bad. But when you when you actually think about how big Kyle Rudolph is and how strong he is, yeah, for us, in, in just in a quick passing, it looks like he just extended his arm. But he pushes him, and those his shoulders go back. You can see that he was thrown off balance. He wasn't able to make the right play on the ball. Now, I'm not saying that he would have deflected it or that Kyle maybe wouldn't have caught it, or hell, that even that they wouldn't come back and score again. They were right there. They probably would have scored anyways. But in terms of a call, they should have looked at that. They didn't even look at it. Is this, like they, they just said no. Is this something that – do you think that this is something that should have been reversed? Because I feel like, you know, in all sports, when it comes down to it in the final seconds of the game, you know, things get a little things get a little dicier. Things get a little bit more physical. Do you, do you, and I mean I agree that it was a push off, but is but is it enough to warrant reversing that call and reversing that game winning touchdown in your opinion? At that moment, yes, I think so. I mean it's it's I know you're not supposed to take in like other bad calls into effect or anything like that, but these guys have had to go through that far too many times. The it feels like every year the Saints are being wronged in some way. 
Now, I'm not saying protest it, ask for something else after the fact. No, whatever. It's done. It's done. Whatever. But at that moment, they should have at least reviewed it is my thing. Now, if you go back and review it, which statistically looking back at this year's blown calls, they're not turning over. They're not overturning it anyways, but they're at least going back and reviewing it. The challenge with this is that it was overtime. They couldn't challenge it. Like Sean Payton couldn't throw a challenge flag for the missed PI. Um, um, so yeah, they should have given them a chance. I think they should have gone, gone over and possibly reversed it. They didn't. And we're sitting here now with having to wonder what's going to happen with Drew Brees. Um, yeah, so quick sidebar on that. What do you think does happen with Drew Brees? I think he stays. I think he plays another year. I think they try and get they try to get Teddy Bridgewater to stay because they know that he can help them win. Um, but they have Taysom Hill, the human Swiss Army knife, so they really don't care that was, who backs him up. That was going to be my question. How the hell do you judge Taysom Hill, who's a free agent this year, who literally does everything? They'll pay him. I'm, they're going to pay him because – there's not a team in the league that's going to pay him top dollar. Like, well, like I get it. He, he does everything, but he doesn't, he's a Jack of all trades, but we don't know that he's a master of any. And so do you think that this is just a case where he's more valuable to the saints than he'll be anywhere else? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly where I stand with him. That's what I think is going to happen. I think they'll give him money though. They'll, 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 you know, they'll give him enough to stay, but I don't think they're going to give him this like huge deal because they know no one else is going to. Yeah. Okay. All right, then. Well, let me move on now to the game that a lot of people around me were sub- were very, very happy to watch, which was the Texans coming back, beating the Bills down six, I think it was 16-0 at halftime, mm-hmm. and coming back to win the game in overtime um, off of a crazy-ass setup by Deshaun Watson where it looked like he was about to be sandwiched by two different uh, Bill's defensive lineman, and then it turns out he was able to escape that, throw the deep ball that set up the game-winning field goal. Uh, the Texans, how seriously should we be taking them the rest of the way? Not. <laughs> not <laughs> I, I'm not taking them too seriously. They were down 16-0. to They came back. They, yeah, okay, good. Congratulations, they came back. Deshaun Watson is an amazing athlete. I mean, we saw that. I was jumping out of my seat yelling i couldn't believe he got out of that because it didn't just look like he was gonna get sandwiched he straight up got hit by those it looks it looks like he was gonna go down on the first hit and then the second yeah. guy hitting him like stood him back up it looks yeah, kind of propped him back it looks up. like if it was just one of them he would have gone down <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but then i mean it worked out perfectly and he was able to get his find his balance again and then escape the pocket and, and sling a ball down. And then plus after the catch, the guy gained another 15, 20 yards. Like it was crazy. Uh, but I don't think that they're a huge threat. Now, if they were playing the Titans next round, I'd be like, all right, yeah, they're going to advance again. And then they got momentum and then we got to watch out. But I, I don't, they're playing what the, they're playing the chiefs. Yeah. They're at, uh, yeah, yeah. They're at Kansas city. We'll talk about that a little later, but I, I don't think that they're a huge threat. I think that they're doing well and, I mean, I kind of think they're just hurting themselves because they're going to hurt their draft stock. They're going to have to draft really well next year to be able to stay up there. Um, but but uh, in their division, I guess they, they can still look forward to the future. All right, and for Buffalo, whose season is over now, um, Josh Allen, he is – he's kind of becoming – I can't – I don't know of another quarterback that's more divisive in the league right now than Josh Allen because, like, you can you can pick his game apart any which way. If you're a supporter of him, then there were moments throughout this game where you thought to yourself, if he's able to hone in on his talent and you know uh, smooth smooth out the rough areas, he can eventually be the one of the next great quarterbacks in the league. And for people who are down on him, you know one of the criticisms that he faced was that he has had carelessness. He he is not very, um, you know, uh, I mean, that's the main thing is that he's careless. He's not someone that you can trust. And that's kind of a hard thing to develop in the league is trustworthiness, especially in a quarterback who's supposed to be, you know, your foundational piece for the team. So Josh Allen, it's, is he, is, should he be there long-term? Is, did you see anything out of him that made you think that the bills have, have a diamond in the rough there or no? I think they have their franchise quarterback. I, 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 
I don't I wasn't sold on him when he first came into the league, but he does have that flick of the wrist arm strength. Like he can throw it sixty yards down the field um at any given time. He can run a lot better than I gave him credit for. He he is a really good runner. Um he's a big guy. He's versatile. He's strong. I'm not I'm still not like super sold on him. I wouldn't go out and trade for him if I was another team, but I do think the Bills are in good standing with Josh Allen. I think that they need they just need to find their franchise running back now and then up their line strength a little bit. And it's really all going to be up to Sean McDermott and if he can mature Josh Allen and make sure that he grows into the smart um responsible quarterback that Brett Favre was or even an Aaron Rodgers. All right, so um, the other NFC, uh, the other NFC battle: Seahawks and Eagles. Seahawks upset the Eagles in Philly. Um, don't know how much you can really call that an upset because the Eagles were already going into that limping and ended up losing uh, Carson Wentz due to a due to the concussion protocol after he got what looked like a helmet to helmet hit from Jadavion Clowney. Um, do you, do you think that that should have been a do you think that that was a dirty player? Do you think that at least there should have been a call on it, even whether or not it was dirty? I don't think there was a. I don't think there should have been a call. That particularly was a game that I did not care too much to watch because I hate the Eagles, and <laughs> I was worried about the Seahawks. I love Russell Wilson. I'm not. I'm not going to say I'm a band. I'm not a bandwagon fan of the Seahawks, but I. I'm also pulling for them because I really like Russ. Um, but it just sucked to me that. They're down all three of their starting, their top three running backs. Like so, it was a hurt team that could lose against a team that I hate. So I really wasn't watching it in real time. I did see the slow mo replays. From what I can see, it doesn't look to be intentional. I don't think he was targeting him. I don't think he aimed for his head. Um, so it was a no call. I saw a couple of um, a couple of explanations by the refs about how Carson Wentz turned into a runner and he hadn't given himself up. Yeah, that right there nullifies everything. Once he's a runner, the rules change. Yeah. So no, I don't think that they missed anything too too critical. Um, and for Carson Wentz, is he is he, is he just a guy who's gotten a string of really horrible luck over his career, or this or is this or is this something that um, the Eagles should already be thinking about moving on from? Because the guy is, is guy's never really healthy. And no, never. And he's good. The thing is, I mean, it sucks because he's good. But, man, every year, literally, if it's not one thing, it's the next. This was the first time he had ever played in a, in a playoff matchup. Yeah. These guys won the Super Bowl with him on the bench. Yeah. Him being their franchise quarterback, and he's never played before this game in a, in a playoff game. And he didn't last a whole quarter and a half. Like it, it, I think it's something that they definitely. I'm not saying go out and draft somebody in the first or second round, but you got to be looking for another option. You're not going to get Nick Foles back. Well, actually, you might because <laughs> maybe the, the Jack the Jacks are going to be pissed. They'll probably be willing to give him back, and Nick Foles will somehow find his way back to Philadelphia again. But um, you got to get somebody in there. I'm, I, don't sell the guy. Carson Wentz obviously is still a really really good quarterback when he's healthy. But the best ability is availability, and he just hasn't had it for an entire season. Not one year since he's been in the league. That would be a spot. I don't know if I don't know if it would make sense from an X's and O's standpoint, but I could see the Eagles being the team to gamble on Taysom Hill. Ooh, that's yeah, that's not a bad, that's not a bad assumption. I wonder how I. Uh, I mean, sorry to take it back to Taysom Hill again, but it's just it's just it just boggles my mind everything that he does. So I wonder what even kind of contract does that kind of player get because he, you can't really put him in one spot. You can't put him in a box. No, you can't. Nobody puts baby in a corner. You can't. You can't. <laughs> he, he's he's. I'm telling you, he's a Swiss Army knife. But but he's not a full. As far as we've seen, he's not a full time quarterback. He's probably more like a Christian McCaffrey that can throw. Or uh, I, I can't even uh, Deshaun Jackson maybe that that's a little slower, a little taller. Yeah. I, but I just wouldn't pay him like a full time quarterback. I don't think any team can right now. Okay, and so the last matchup of this wild card weekend was the Titans upsetting the Patriots. Patriots team that just looked really sad. It just like God, they I, pissed me off. Like how does <laughs> like how does a team that looks so dominant? at the beginning of the year, even as even 
even aside from the Antonio Brown stuff, like a team that looked like it was well on its way to the next Super Bowl ends up losing in the wild card round to Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. What? Like, okay, well, I mean, Titans. I mean, they're going up against the Ravens, so their their luck is about to end. But with the yeah. with the Patriots, where, where where is Tom Brady playing next year? I oh man, I hope I really do hope he leaves. Uh, I'm just, I'm I'm not a Patriots fan, but I'm a fan of Tom Brady. I I recognize that Tom Brady is is arguably the greatest of all time, um, but I do want him to leave just to shake it up. And if he does leave. I really think I think the only team really that he's going to go for is the Chargers cuz the only team that he would want like if this was 4 or 5 years ago I would say the Niners because that's where he's from. Yeah. That's his home. But Garoppolo's there. A, they're not going to bench Garoppolo. B, if they did bench Garoppolo for Tom Brady, Garoppolo would fucking <laughs> leave in a heartbeat. I'm pretty sure he'd be pissed. So, I mean, get as close to home as you can. Uh, without somebody who doesn't who has a franchise quarterback, Philip Rivers, I think is going to be gone. So I I would see Tom Brady in L.A. I think with the Chargers. I think the only other team that uh, I have uh, heard any rumors about was uh, was Miami. I don't know if Tom Brady would be willing to go there when they're in the middle of a rebuild. But I mean, Miami, for as horrific as they looked at the beginning, they ended the season not so bad. I mean, they are the reason why the Patriots were fucked. I mean, they beat them, which caused them to put them into the wild card round that they lost against Tennessee. And uh, things may have turned out differently if they got that first round by. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know. There may be too big of a difference between their expectations. Um, Tom Brady, I mean, obviously wants to still continue to compete. And Miami, I mean, they may still be in the rebuild. But uh I don't know. That was. Uh, I mean, but it could be a perfect situation for somebody who needs a gap quarterback. You know, like Miami's argue, probably going to draft a quarterback in the top two rounds this year, and maybe they don't want to start him right away, especially if it's somebody like Tua who's coming in off of a broken hip and they might want to yeah. let him sit. I mean, that there's no better person to sit behind than Tom Brady. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. He would be somebody that you can uh, – I mean, what's he got? Like maybe two, three years left in him. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and it's Brian Flores. He's, he came from he was just as recently as last year. He was a Patriots defensive coordinator. Yeah, so he knows Tom Brady really well, um, and everybody knows that Tom Brady has always struggled to win in Miami. So if he really wants to make a statement about I can play and win anywhere, Miami would be a good spot for him. All right, so next weekend we got the divisional playoff round, and the Saturday games are. Let's go with the first one. Vikings, 49ers. Is this where the streak ends for the Vikings? Or are they going to pull off another upset? I hate this matchup. <laughs> I, it, this was supposed to be the Saints and the Niners, and the Saints were going to take that. But, but I, I mean, you know, all year I have not put my confidence in San Francisco. I just don't trust them. I don't believe in them. But... I'm so mad that the Vikings beat the Saints that I want them to be taken out. See, they were the only, like, real... The Saints were the only... I mean, going into the playoffs, they were viewed as, like, the only challenger to the 49ers. I feel like you kind of have to favor the 49ers the rest of the way, kind of by default. Because I don't really see any of these other teams, you know, taking them down. I mean, the 49ers were the only ones throughout... um, Among all these teams who were consistently good throughout the year... And with the Vikings, uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Kirk Cousins proved a little something, but let's not get too crazy here. Yeah, it's it's still Kirk Cousins. This is his first big win. This is his first playoff win. Um, but you know what? As we talk about it more and more, and my hate for the Niners is refueled and re-energized, <laughs> I think I might be wanting the Vikings to win the rest of the way. <laughs> the rest because of the way? Yeah, because let's talk about, I mean, besides Kirk Cousins, they're a really exciting team. Dalvin Cook is a great running back who tore his ACL a couple years ago, so he's got a, a great comeback story. Adam Thielen was hurt a lot of this year. He is a top receiver. Stefan Diggs has literally worked miracles in Minneapolis while he's been there. And their defensive back, Mike Zimmer, 
really also Mike Zimmer, their head coach. I love Mike Zimmer. I, I really I wish he would have come back to Dallas. Um, but they they have a good team. They have a good squad. Um, Kyle Rudolph is a good tight end. Not great, but he's a good tight end. Um, I like their their safeties, their DBs. I really like everybody except for Kirk Cousins. But I, I wouldn't mind. I mean, they're a young, electrifying team. I wouldn't mind for them to win. I and and on top of that, I just really don't want the Niners to win. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right then. Um, so who who you got? Vikings, 49ers. What does your head? Yeah, what does I'm your a- head say? My head, my head says the Niners are gonna win, but my heart, uh-huh. <laughs> my my heart says the Vikings will win. The spread is seven, so the Niners are only are only favored by one score. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm 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 taking the Vikings. I'm taking the Vikings, <laughs> yeah. and it's gonna be twenty eight to twenty eight to twenty four Vikings. <laughs> Okay, all right then. And then the second game of the night is going to be Titans Ravens. I mean, is is is, is, is there anything anybody's really? Yeah, <laughs> is, there, is there anything to say on this? I mean, I think if the Titans were to win again, the entire you know football nation would collectively shit their pants because this there there would, I mean, Lamar Jackson who is probably going to be the MVP. Um, mm-hmm. Ravens probably the best team remaining out of all the teams in both conferences. Um, I, I, I can't see a way that, the, that they lose. I mean, good on the Titans for, you know, restricting the Patriots offense as they did, but this is a completely different ball game for them. Yeah, I, I no. It's over. <laughs> it's, over for, it's over for the Titans. They had a good run. They they could you imagine a world where the Super Bowl was Ryan Tannehill versus Kirk Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> like two guys who were just spurned by their organizations, so they had to go elsewhere and struggle and, and then get to the promised land. And then No, there's no way. The only thing the only way that they do this is if Derrick Henry garners for two hundred and forty five rushing yards and like three touchdowns, which honestly isn't far fetched. Yeah, it really isn't. I mean, he absolutely destroyed New England. And so yeah, I guess what we're looking at is future Super Bowl champion Ryan Tannehill <laughs> throwing. Dude, hey, hey, if Nick if Nick Foles could do it, I'm I'm not counting on anybody anymore. What what but what would Tannehill's stat line in a Super Bowl win look like? Like not like like 92 yards, a touchdown, and a two interceptions or something. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like 13 for 28, 92 <laughs> yards. Yeah, one and one, and Derrick Henry would just be through the roof. That guy. There was a drive this past weekend when they played the Patriots. There was a drive when the Patriots went 75 yards and scored a touchdown, and Derrick Henry had every single one of those yards. Yeah. Not yeah. one of those came through the air. Oh, my goodness. That's – yeah, I mean, I'm all for a strong running game, but it shouldn't outmatch your passing game by that much. No, 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 no. Lamar Jackson is going to bring down the hammer. The, the Ravens are going to come back fresh, rested. They're going to put the hammer down on the Titans. Okay. Is that the same case for Chiefs over the Texans? Yeah, I think the Chiefs, they lost to the Texans earlier this year. Um, and I think they're going to come back. I mean, it's Arrowhead. It's going to mm-hmm. be super loud. They are, in in their mind, their vengeance was against the Patriots, and they were supposed to play to get to the Patriots and then beat them again and take over all that and, and basically right the wrong that they had last year. Um, they don't have to do that anymore. Now they're kind of shifting gears. I think Mahomes is more experienced. I know they came in the same year, or I think it was the same year, or about the same year, Um, he and Deshaun, I mean. But Mahomes has kind of been in those bigger games already, and and he knows how to improvise a little better. Um, And plus, they just have a more complete team. They they have a deeper running backfield, although neither of those two teams has a, a bona fide franchise running back. Um, but I, I think the Chiefs are going to pull this one out. And wasn't that game that the Texans beat them, wasn't that one of those games without Pat Mahomes? Uh, was it? I, I think it might have been the game where he got hurt. Okay. I could Yeah, I could have sworn there was something off of Mahomes in that game. I mean, Texans probably have the worst defense among these teams remaining. I mean, you fall that far down in a hole against the Bills – you can get away with that against Buffalo, but not against Kansas City. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he. I don't think they're going to pull this one off. I, I do, however, think that the Houston Texans will beat the spread, though. The spread is nine and a half points. So I think I think the Chiefs win, but they win by six to eight points. I don't think they win by ten. Mm, I can see that. I'm going to go over the spread, though. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to say. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'll say. I'll say. What was the spread again? Eight and a half. Is that what you said? Nine and a half. Nine and a half. Yeah. I'll go. I'll go Kansas City by ten. I like those odds. All right, Seahawks at Packers to wrap up the next round. Um, did you remember that the Packers were in the playoffs? <laughs> exactly. Like I, like I, I was thinking in my head. Like I mean, I could have easily looked it up on my phone, but the other day I was thinking in my head, like, who the hell is that other team with the bye week? Like, mm-hmm. it's the forty, yeah. it's the forty ers and who's that? Like, and I was thinking, I said, is it really the Packers? And yeah. the, it turns out it's the Packers. I completely I like always forget that they're there. Like what? Like what do you even make of this game cuz I mean Seahawks Seahawks had like the opposite season of the Cowboys. They the Cowboys lost all of their close games and the Seahawks like won nearly all of them and some of them by luck. And then they go up against the Packers who I mean just due to the fact that we forgot they were there. I mean they're not I mean, they're not, they're obviously not bad. They got the buy, but they're not, but they're not amazing either. So like, uh, I mean, is this, do either of these teams really have a strong chance to go to the Super Bowl or are they just fighting over who loses to San Francisco? Oh God, that sucks. Right. I think they're fighting over who's going to lose to Minnesota. Because, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, it's a, it's two different teams. When the Seahawks have their run game, I, I favor them to, to win it all. But they don't have a running back. Yeah, they brought back Marshawn and Robert Turbin, and and the kid Homer is not looking too bad. But it wasn't what Chris Carson was getting going. Chris Carson was putting together a really, really strong running attack, um, and that completely changed the dynamic of the game. That gave Russ a lot more, a lot more time to to figure out what he can do and 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 to do the run pass options. Um, so if if no injuries were in that backfield, I would say that, yeah, whoever wins this is, is a real force to be reckoned with. But, no, I, I don't think that this is going to be the deciding factor. I think whoever wins this is going to lose next week or the <laughs> week after. <laughs> Anyways. So who is winning it? Uh, <laughs> the, yeah, I hate to say this, but I think the Packers are going to win. I'm going to go Seahawks. I like riding the wave of Seattle. I like the, I like the Seattle bandwagon. It may come to a close the next weekend, but I I like the ride so far. I, yeah, I mean I hope I hope you're right. I hope the 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 it's only a four point spread, so it's it's not looking to be that that big of a blowout or anything. It's a four point spread with the over under of forty six, so they're thinking it's going to be like twenty four to twenty or twenty five to twenty one. Um, but uh, I just think that the 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 difference is going to be the Packers ground game. They they have two really good running backs, to the Seahawks none. Yeah, but um, I really hope that we look even if this even if Seattle doesn't go that much further, I hope that we look back and see this as the coming onto the scene for DK Metcalf because he absolutely dominated this past weekend and he he's just fun to watch. There are a lot of likable people in Seattle, especially DK Metcalf. Yeah, yeah, he really is. He was he was somebody who at the combine, yeah, he had this like breakneck speed but he wasn't so great at running routes and he was just too big to be a receiver the guy's like (laughs) six foot four 240 pounds of pure muscle like it's ridiculous and he just looks like a linebacker and so everybody was and me included we were like no there's no way this guy's gonna be like able to finesse corners or anything like that but yeah he has really broken onto the scene and he has emerged as a really really good receiving option in seattle so I I really do hope you're right, um, but my numbers, my head, I gotta go with the Packers on this one. And we can talk about this more when it comes closer to draft time. But um, is DK Metcalf a prime example of overthinking the draft? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he had everything going for him. But the, the the looking back, like in hindsight, I mean, that sounds ridiculous. But the conversation literally was he's. 
he's too good to be true. Like, this guy mm. is too athletic to be as... Like, there's a dichotomy where you have to choose between either being super athletic or being a good receiver. It's You can never be mm-hmm. both. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, I feel you. Okay. But no, he, he's definitely proven all that wrong. He's, he's doing it all. Okay, so you think it's going to be Vikings and Packers in the NFC Championship. Is how ugly does that sound? <laughs> that sounds like I will. Pro- I will literally skip that game. Like I, will, <laughs> the next time we do the, when we do the podcast afterwards, I'm gonna rely on you to tell me what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's either it's uh, yeah. I think it's gonna be Vikings and Packers. It sounds horrible. <laughs> I, I feel so dirty saying it, but but yeah, I think so. Okay, and then of course Ravens and Chiefs, which is probably gonna be the real Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, I feel like they've been on a collision course this whole season. Um, we knew throughout most of the season that this is what was going to end up happening. Or, you know, we still had – a lot of us still had the Patriots in the picture, but we knew that the alternative was going to be these two teams. And, and, yeah, that is going to be a great game. I don't mean to overlook the Texans and the Titans, <laughs> but come on. Yeah, I mean, really, come on. Okay, all right, anything else on football before we go over to basketball? Uh, no, we will be on the lookout for everything else that happens in Dallas. Rest assured that there will be more changes, and uh, we'll be here to talk about it when they come. Okay, now moving over to the NBA. We pick back up on the Spurs, who are technically better. Back in the playoffs, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there isn't really anything that they are they, they have made a couple of significant changes but nothing that really shows it in the box score i mean they're really i mean they've gone up to the eighth seed now and they have a decent chance of keeping it and i think i mean that's in part due to the incompetence of the teams below them but um i mean they have made some changes that i'm really happy about i mean they they're playing lonnie more and uh if you Hold on, wait a second. I really want to look and see real quick because I know Lonnie started the last game. I don't know if um, let me see here. There hasn't really been any news on whether or not Lonnie is going to start again. But um, I mean that's something. Oh, that... oh, we play tonight. Yeah, they play. I mean we're at oh, yeah. at this they moment of the... yeah at this moment of the recording at six fifty five. They play the Bucks. At either at at seven thirty, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, as I mean, you probably have heard me on this podcast advocating for more Lonnie playoff time. I am I might sound crazy for believing so, but I think if Lonnie was given as equal of a chance as Demar Lamarcus, he would probably be regarded as the best player on the team right now. And uh, wow, I. I, I, I don't know why, but I'm really high on Lonnie. Like, I just... Th- we haven't had somebody as athletic as him in so long. Like, this guy... This guy really has, like, the whole package. He... he if anything that you can ding him on would be his distribution, playmaking. Um, as awkward as it is to say it, he kind of reminds me of Kawhi. I think... I don't know if he has, like, the, that potential, like, superstar, arguably number one player in the league kind of potential. But I think he can get up there. And I think uh, Pop has been, as much as I hate to say it, I do not like the job that Pop has been doing this year. He has kind of been doing the thing where he kind of makes the young guys, you know, serve their dues and giving more playing time to the veterans, to... But the fact is that the younger guys are better. And I, I mean, that's been so frustrating to see. Like, I think Lonnie should have been playing way earlier. I think that um, DeJounte and Derek and Lonnie should be the leading guard rotation. And I think, I mean, I doubt that it happens this year. But I think whenever Keldon Johnson gets on the floor, we're going to think to ourselves, how the hell wasn't he playing earlier than this? Maybe the same for Luca, And so... I don't know. I just, I mean, it's a lot to ask for Pop to embrace the youth movement, but I'm glad that he's at least doing so with Lonnie. Yeah, I think he's, he's, you know, old habits die hard, and he, we've had such a tried and true system for the past 20 years 
of our NBA fandom uh, with the Spurs. So it, I feel you. I mean, it's very difficult to think that they're kind of being mismanaged because what the fuck do I know? Pop has five rings and, and I'm sitting here uh, with like hot Cheeto dust. I'm <laughs> <laughs> but but you know it's 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 hard to not think that something's wrong that something's missing and i feel you i'm i'm on that i'm on board with that because basically look here's the thing we're not going to get the 50 wins that we get every year we're not we need 36 games out of the next like 42 or something like that like we have to go like 36 and less than 10 to get those those 50 wins so that's already that tradition's out the out the window we're flirting with not being in the playoffs, which I don't believe that's going to happen. I do think we're still going to be at least the eighth seed, um, but we're getting further and further away from the seventh seed. So it's it's getting real tough for us. Um, so really, what do we have to lose? Yeah, not only not only that, but people have the idea that just letting the young guys roam is kind of the equivalent of tanking or throwing the season, where I think they would honestly have a better chance of making the playoffs if they let those guys play. Like, I just don't think that highly of some of those guys anymore. Like, I think Marco needs to go. Bryn Forbes is kind of on the way out. DeMar DeRozan, I mean, is, is already, like, extremely divisive as he is. I mean, you could make the argument for LaMarcus Aldridge, but he has been better lately. I just, I, 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 I really don't understand what they're, what, what the line of thought is with that. Like, I think that there really isn't anything to lose by playing those guys. Like, even if it's just, I don't know, just like a couple games worth, like at least get a taste of what these guys can bring to the table. But, uh, I mean, pop has always been someone that sticks with the vets and, uh, looks like that's the case again this year. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to not tonight's game because it's the bucks, um, but the way the rest of the season plays out, I really, really do want to, it's hard for us as Spurs fans because you always want to make playoffs. You want to keep that tradition alive. So I, I really want to make playoffs still, but I kind of want to see what we can do if we get into the lottery. Um, and, and I think in order, I'm not saying tank, I don't want to tank. I would never want to tank, but I'm also in, in that boat that you said that it's not tanking. If we play these guys, let's just play them. Let's play them. Worst case scenario, we're in the same fucking situation that we're in now. You know, it can't get much worse. Yeah. So, it, so yeah, I'm with you with that. And another thing that has that I have written down that has really opened up the offense, which is another thing, too, that should have been embraced a while back, is that LaMarcus is finally taking threes, taking more threes, and hitting them at a really good rate. So for the first, let me see here, I want to say, for the first 20 games this year, there was just five times where he hit, where he attempted three threes or more. He has already matched that in five of the last six games. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what exactly flipped the switch. I don't know if this is something that he feels like doing or something that, or maybe Pop really is getting the hint that he needs to change things. I don't think it's that much. I don't think it's a coincidence that at the same time he starts playing Lonnie and starts encouraging LaMarcus to take more threes. I think he is starting to notice the trend. But um, if this is something that, and also another thing too that happened while we were gone is that LaMarcus's contract for next year is already is already guaranteed now. So unless they trade him, there's not going to be any conversation of, of a of like any other contract negotiations at least until the summer of uh, 2021 unless he gets traded and so um I think if he does this then that really opens things up for the team because Lamarcus for as much as we've been um you know uh, taking down Demar Derozan on the podcast about how he doesn't really bring any defense to the table and you know for as good as he is on offense he still doesn't spread the floor. LaMarcus was kind of was kind of mucking up the offense in his own way too because you know the rest of the team is you know a little younger can can shoot more threes and meanwhile LaMarcus would want to slow things down and get things in the post or the mid-range and if he's the kind of guy who can hang back and pop threes whenever then that really opens it up for everybody else if he gets more threes 
then DeJounte has a better look at the basket. Lonnie has more space to work with. DeMar has more space to work with. Uh, Bryn can find himself open for three rather than struggling to create offense for himself and hit and like throwing up a contested mid-range shot. It's like these are some these are things that um, I don't know how it'll convert to wins, but these are things that really mean a lot. And I mean I don't know it might it might be too late, but I'm glad that we're at least seeing it now. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, I do like to see him kind of stretch the floor a little more. Somebody had to do it, but either him and De- or Demar, and we knew that Demar wasn't going to do it. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, I mean, hopefully they keep that going. Hopefully that does open the floor as much as as much as you just uh, detailed with Lamar and and I mean with uh, Dejounte and Lonnie and all our other guards. Um, I don't know what the you know what the stretch of games is that we have coming up. I know we have the Bucks tonight, but I'm not sure. Oh man, it's a after that. It's uh, I'll look it up now, but it's 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 tough. It's tough. Let me see here. Um, okay, for the rest of January, it's uh, Celtics. Oh, what should? God damn it! Freaking Spurs up. Oh, I, I got it right here. Celtics, Grizzlies. It's at Celtics, at Grizzlies, at Raptors, at Heat, at Heat. Damn, and then we got Hawks, Heat, Suns, Pelicans. It gets a little easier after. That. Well, no, the Suns are doing well. Yeah, it's not it's not gonna be a not gonna be an easy road. And so that makes me wonder, because the, the trade deadline is not, it it isn't really that far off. I think we're like, at the at the 30 day mark for the trade deadline it's um february 9th i think right or something like that february 6th february 6th yeah Yeah, so exactly a month from now is the deadline and if the spurs lose more games than they'd like to they this might be the time where they have to really look at themselves in the mirror and ask if they really think that moving forward with this team my, is is this really the best for them, or should they start moving players, moving Demar, and seeing what they could get for him? Because as much as it's it's very much within reality that Demar Derozan stays, becomes a free agent, and then walks for nothing, but nobody is mentioning that. And so I don't. And so do do the Spurs really think that an eighth seed is worth hanging on to him and gambling? one of your best assets on the team right now? I don't think so. Hey, this this might be a little off topic, but speaking of trades, it, did I read this correctly? I thought I read something the other day that said that Davis Bertans has been balling out. He's really, really good for Washington. Dude, what the fuck? That <laughs> makes me so much more mad about the whole Marcus Morris shit. And God, and the other thing that's frustrating too is that in order to make that work, we we did a sign and trade for Damari Carroll for three years. Mm-hmm. Damari Carroll's not playing, so we got so we we traded we traded Bertans, who's having by far the best year of his career. We got screwed by Marcus Morris, and we're not even playing the guy that we got in that mix up. So like, yeah, so nothing. We we just lost on all ends of that. It's it's so bizarre, and so one one last thing that I wanted to leave off on the Spurs, um, there's a as as we were talking about earlier how we how Pop just needs to get over his philosophies as far as veterans versus younger players and just play the guys who have the best chance of winning games for them. There's um I saw a chart on Twitter of RPM, which is real plus minus, which is a stat that's used to try to assess the overall value of a player, by multiplied by the number of minutes for each player, and collectively, collectively, what this table is trying to show is which teams are actually playing their best players. So you take the best players, you 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 assess across the board which players are the most valuable at the same time which players are playing the most. And so uh, Indiana, who doesn't really, who granted doesn't have that great of a roster, which is why they're not talked about that much. They're at the very top of that board by playing the guys who actually 
carry the most production. Where do you think the Spurs rank? Oh, God. I, I'm hoping no less than the middle tier, 14, 15. They're last. Oh, of course. They're last. So just like monumental mismanagement? It seems like it. Like the other way that you can go with this, the 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 case against it, is that the guys who have a good real plus minus in a short period of time, that's why they have a high real plus minus is because they're able to do so in spurts. So that leaves open interpretation, but you can also take it as Pop just needs to Pop just needs to let go and play the younger guys more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But. Oh well, we'll see. Let me see. Who do, who do we who did you say that we have for the following week? It was uh, uh B- Celtics Grizzlies. Bucks tonight, Celtics and Grizzlies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I don't know how I feel about those. I mean, I think they lose to the Bucks tonight. They may lose to the Celtics, who are mm-hmm. picking up steam, and Grizzlies are pretty feisty. So that unless they get it together. Or they surprise. I don't know. We might not be having such a great conversation next week about them. Yeah, something tells me we won't be. Okay. All right. So, who else is not having a good time? Is Kevin Love in Cleveland, who has pretty much all but demanded a trade from Cleveland. Because this guy is straight up miserable in Cleveland. I don't know if you saw, but there was a highlight from the last game. I don't remember against who where Kevin Love just, like, is on the floor, just straight up not giving a shit. Like, he is just, uh, while the rest of the team is uh, crossing the half court, trying to initiate the offense, Kevin Love is just walking up to up to the, up to the paint, just straight up walking. And then you could see him getting into an argument with the coach about setting up a pick for Colin Sexton. He just, again, he just walks up to the three-point line, Towards Colin, Sex- Colin Sexton, he demands the ball. Call- uh, Sexton passes him the ball, and then he just torpedo throws that thing at Chetty Osman, and he flings up a horrible contested three. And wow. and uh, if it, if you haven't seen it, it's well worth your time. And apparently, apparently he got into an argument with the general manager, where the manager threatened to fine him. And he straight up told him, go ahead and do it. I have a lot of money. Dude. <laughs> he just doesn't want to be there at all. Yeah, he is straight up miserable. Which I can understand because the only times... He's been in the league for quite a while. And the only times he was ever on a good team was with LeBron. Mm-hmm. Which, what, only lasted three years? Four years? Yeah, three, I, three or four years, something like that. I think, yeah. And so... I don't know. I just feel bad for Kevin Love. I mean, a part of a part of it is, you know, him, you know, signing up for it, knowing that uh, what he was told by the Cavs at the time that he signed his extension that they were going to try to compete. Obviously, that has not been what has been going on, and um, he kind of. I mean, I kind of feel like he should have expected the Cavs to fuck it up because that's what they're used to doing. But on the other mm-hmm. side. I mean, I can't. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine losing for almost a whole decade. You go from yeah, <laughs> yeah. You lose for almost a whole decade. You get with LeBron. You win a championship, and then it's losing all over again. Like, I don't know. He's got to. He's got to be traded. I can't imagine him finishing the year in Cleveland. Yeah, no, they they got to be getting rid of him. But I mean, that's another thing, though. It's like I'm. I, you know, and I know, yeah, power to the players and stuff, but I'm just not a fan of people forcing their way out like this. Like, you're in this situation. You know, you, you wanted to be on this team when it was in its heyday. Now, you're, you know, your guy's gone and you can't pick up the slack. And but don't be acting like that, man. I just saw the video right now. You can't don't be acting like that. Come on, bro. <laughs> you're still getting paid the big bucks. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I don't know. I feel like... In 30 days' time, we're going to be talking about Kevin Love on another team. But we'll see. Well, it's going to be exciting to see where he lands. Because, I mean, yeah, he's not a superstar, but it's, he's he's a good addition to any team. Yeah, 
I would put my money on Portland. Oh, damn. I hope not. <laughs> Dude, we have to fend them off. We can't have him go with anybody. But what if he goes to the Warriors? Uh, I don't know who the Warriors would give up. I think the the Cavs would want somebody good in return. D'Lo. Not not for Kevin Love. I think I I don't I don't think that that's worth moving. I don't I don't know. I don't think that that works. I think they could hold on to D'Angelo Russell and make a better trade later on. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, I think so too. I just I I just really I kind of want the Warriors to get them because I don't. God, the Warriors are just gonna redo this cycle, dude. They're gonna come in last. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna get the first pick in the fucking lottery, and then they're come they're gonna come back with all of their three guys healthy and the first pick. Yeah, and it's gonna piss me off. Or combine them for already a, a ready made all star. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Okay. All right. And um, did the Fizzle firing really happen while we were gone? I thought we had covered. <laughs> I thought we had covered that. Uh wait, hold. I th- I think I think we I think we did because I remember saying like already like <laughs> why did they already do this but let me see when did this happen it happened on December sixth when did we last record I think that may have been right around the last because we stopped we our last recording was about a week or two before Christmas oh no no we didn't uh no we. No, we stopped. We stopped at the end of November, so we did not cover the Fizdale firing. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Um, sum it up. Uh, Nick still suck. Fizdale <laughs> could not manage the horrible roster that he was given by the team. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 hard to judge. I mean, the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks is this season is going down the toilet again. I mean, they're they're gonna have to look forward to another high draft pick. Hopefully somebody that they can pair well with R.J. Barrett and then move on from this roster of just very mismanaged people. And then um, for David Fisdale, I mean, there there aren't that many NBA jobs open. Like, unless he's going to go to TV or if he's okay being an assistant, I don't really know where he would go next. There's a lot of... A lot of these teams are okay with their coach i mean maybe i mean maybe atlanta or sacramento that's what i was thinking sacramento but i think he would be a good a good on tv personality yeah yeah he's really good at that he has a really good presence um i just i don't know i just let me see here i'm gonna just real quick run across the league standings and see if there's anybody who uh who should be looking at a new coach. Uh, I mean, maybe Philly if they're ready to move on from Brett Brown, which I mean, I think I think next week we need to cover Philly because I think it's getting to the point now where they need, really need a major shakeup. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, I don't I don't know who, I don't know who else is really I don't know Chicago maybe. Um. I don't know. A lot of people. I mean, there are obviously good teams and bad teams, but I think for the most part, even the bad teams are happy with the coaches that they have. Yeah. Yeah, we're still just trying to work out their own system instead of having to shake it up. Yeah. Yeah. And so, let me see. The New York Knicks are currently third to last, only behind the Warriors and the Hawks. So, uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. I don't think that they're going to get anybody in free agency unless unless they're the team that Annie's up for DeMar DeRozan or something cuz I don't think they're going to get anybody else. But um yeah, I know. I don't th- I don't see them moving. Yeah, but um I don't know. That's just um I don't know, something to keep an eye on. I mean, New York still terrible. What else is new? <laughs> okay. They're just not they're not cool, dude. <laughs> Okay. All right. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up this week? Uh, no. Other than I'm, I'm hoping to have a better conversation about our Spurs next week. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, let me see here. Hold on, real quick before we end the podcast, I want to see if there's any news about uh, about uh, Lonnie. Let me see here. 
Because now, I mean, I'm just on full-on Lonnie watch. I don't care anymore. Uh, <laughs> let me see here. Uh, <laughs> hold, on, hold on real quick. Man, why is Pop always so damn secretive with his starting lineups? I, I know that jerk. I know he didn't. He didn't even announce that. Uh, he didn't even announce that Lonnie was starting in the other game. He just, he just went about business as normal. Let me see. I think. Uh, I think he is starting. Uh, I can't tell. Let me see. No, he's not. God damn it. He's, Are you serious? Yeah, he's going back to Forbes. Murray, Forbes, DeRozan, Aldridge, and Lyles. God damn it. Wow. Yeah, we're fucked. We're, this is going to be a preview for next <laughs> week. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, well, that pretty much does it for Double Shot. We are getting back in the rotation. Um, it has been a long time. We needed that re- We needed that uh, sabbatical so we can re-energize. And uh, we'll be back next week to preview the NFL Conference Championships. And... Uh, Hopefully, talking about the Spurs being more than a dumpster fire. So, <laughs> yes. yeah. So, for Hector, I'm John. This has been Double Shot. Thanks a lot for listening. Catch you later. <laughs>